Nothing is more important in the face of a war than cutting taxes. House Majority Leader Tom DeLay, 2003 On June 1, 1812, President James Madison sent a letter to Congress asking it to consider a declaration of war against Great Britain. The Democratic-Republican majority in Congress was happy to oblige. For the original war hawks, only military force could avenge repeated British infringements on American sovereignty. The spectacle of injuries and indignities which have been heaped on our country, in Madison's words. The insults to the United States ranged from seizing American ships on the high seas and impressing their sailors into the Royal Navy, to supporting Native American attacks along the western frontier. Attempts to apply economic pressure had backfired, and diplomacy appeared to be leading nowhere. As Madison said, our moderation and conciliation have had no other effect than to encourage perseverance and to enlarge pretensions. With war approaching, it fell to Treasury Secretary Albert Gallatin to pay for it. Gallatin hoped to finance the war with borrowed money, but he wanted to raise taxes enough to cover the interest on new debt. Without higher taxes, he worried that bond investors would not be willing to lend large amounts of money to a young country fighting with a European superpower. But the war hawks were ideologically and politically opposed to taxes, particularly the excise, internal trade taxes, that Gallatin wanted to impose. As the party of small government, the Democratic-Republicans believed that higher federal tax revenues constituted a threat to individuals' and states' rights. Perhaps more importantly, they feared that raising taxes to fight a war could hurt them at the ballot box. Congress did increase some tariffs, taxes on external trade, in the run-up to war, but failed to approve the internal taxes that Gallatin had pressed for, instead authorizing the Treasury Department to borrow money. But there were not enough investors willing to lend the amount needed even before war began, forcing the government to print paper money. On June 18, 1812, the United States declared war against Great Britain. Less than a month later, Congress adjourned. Hampered by Congress's reluctance to raise taxes, the Treasury Department struggled to pay for soldiers in the field and ships at sea. In 1813, with the government only weeks away from running out of money, Gallatin was forced to rely on Philadelphia banker Stephen Girard to underwrite a massive loan, because at that point, Girard's credit was better than the government's. The United States military could win individual victories, but was unable to achieve any of its major objectives, suffering repeated defeats on the border with Canada, even with Great Britain distracted by the much larger war against Napoleon in Europe. Congress finally agreed to impose excise taxes in 1813, but it was too late to build a world-class military. After a decade of tight budgets, the U.S. Navy began the war with all of 17 ships. The Royal Navy commanded over 1,000 ships. Even with many of them committed elsewhere, it was still able to blockade the eastern shoreline and raid the coast almost at will. 
Chesapeake Bay, the broad waterway leading to both Washington and Baltimore, was defended by a collection of barges and gunboats that were outclassed by the British Navy and soon trapped in the Patuxent River. The approach to Washington along the Potomac River was guarded by Fort Warburton, completed in 1809, about ten miles downstream from the capital. But when Pierre-Charles L'Enfant, the architect and city planner who had designed the city of Washington, inspected the fort, he found it severely deficient and recommended a redesign, more heavy guns, and construction of a second fort nearby. The Secretary of the Navy added some more guns, but there was no money for further improvements.